Stories of new hunters aren't often told, but I'm here to tell you mine. This is a hunter's journey. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Hunter's Journey. I'm your host, Will. Um, if you're just joining us for the new year, happy new year. Um, I know I posted one um, one episode last week for the new year, but um, I hope you all had a safe and happy holiday season, um, spent some time with family, and um, were able to just kind of kick back and relax for a little while. If you're new to this podcast, because it seems like we're, we're growing pretty frequently, um, if you're new to this podcast, basically what I do in this podcast is I talk about um, the hunting experiences that I've had and like the fishing experiences that I have and have had. Um, and just like what's worked for me and what hasn't worked. Um, I've been fishing for the better part of probably 20 years at this point. Um, but I recently started hunting about a year, no, two years ago. This was my third deer season. So I guess three years ago now. Um, but I, before I started hunting, there's, I was looking around for something that maybe showed kind of the, the unsuccessful or the beginner excuse me the beginner side of like the hunting and fishing world and I just couldn't really find anything like that so I decided to to make a podcast and I'm not gonna cut out the failures or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overplay the success I'm just gonna give it the straight truth and and nothing but the truth because I I think that that's the best way to to inform people that you know, hunting and fishing isn't always what you see on, on YouTube and, and TV. Obviously, they cut the shows down to make it seem like less amount of time than it actually is. But um, I know when I was a teenager and stuff and I would bass fish, uh, watching like people on YouTube bass fishing, they'd have like a 15-minute video and they'd just be catching fish after fish after fish. And I never really quite put it together that they were actually out on the water for like eight hours and that they 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 didn't just like film it in you know an hour or two hours or whatever um but so I I figured like I could put together a podcast that just kind of details what uh like how much time you actually have to spend doing things so that's kind of what this podcast is about. Also, I don't cut anything out. Like, I just had a little hiccup the other, just a second ago. And, I mean, I, I'm not going to cut it out because I don't want it to feel like that there's information missing or that, you know, I said something that maybe I didn't mean or, or whatever. Because, like, I, I mean, there's just no point in cutting it out. So I don't cut anything out either. Um, so I'm, you'll find with this, I'm, I'm still working on like my transitions and everything too of moving from topic to topic but um generally it's it's a single topic each week i kind of keep the episodes a little shorter i don't i mean two hour episodes would be nice but at the same time it's like you don't have time to to listen to a two hour episode you know it's going to take you quite a while to listen to a two hour episode i mean i could get it if you want to break it up over the week's drive going into work or whatever um but i prefer to just get to the point and have one thing that I focus on on each video or excuse me episode like yeah sorry not video episode um so that's pretty much a, a summary of this podcast but um if you're new welcome uh if you're returning I appreciate the continued support 
there were quite a few of you on the Spotify Wrapped that um, this was in your top ten podcasts, top five podcasts, and even your top podcast. And I just have to say, I, I really appreciate everybody that's listening. Um, I've said multiple times before, and I'll say it again, like, I never expected anybody to listen to this. This was more or less just kind of something that I wanted to, to do because I, I just like talking into a microphone. Um, so anyway, I, I really appreciate the, the continued support, and um, it's really, um, it's just a really really cool thing to be able to do and it's um yeah it's just very special to me so i appreciate people who who have supported me through this and and supported the podcast so thank you very much but without further ado we'll jump in to this week's topic um this week we're going to continue the the whole ice fishing saga um i figure this week i can talk about um, kind of the ice conditions to look for and the lures and stuff I use out on the ice more specifically for trout and and perch um, I haven't gotten I haven't walleye fished through the ice yet there are walleye here in Utah but the few lakes that they are in don't really freeze over um, especially this year it's been a little warmer this year already um, so the lakes that freeze over that have walleye in them haven't froze over yet so it kind of sucks i love to target those through the ice um then i'd like to get up to flaming gorge reservoir and fish for some burbot too um, i think that'd be really cool um so but we're gonna stick mostly to to trout and and perch this this week i think and then um maybe as i as i fish throughout the season maybe we'll uh we'll continue on to the to the whole pan or to the walleye and, and burbot but for right now trout and and perch because those i think are the are the most targeted species through the ice other than walleye um, walleye once you get into the midwest like canada uh, minnesota wisconsin all those places um, it's going to be trout and walleye that that most people go after i think and and perch so trout walleye and perch are the three the three big ones um but yeah so to start off like with ice conditions and stuff there are so many intricacies when it comes to the stability of ice and um how you view ice on a lake um and i know i touched on it last episode i know i did quite a bit about it last episode but i don't feel like i said it said everything so i'm going to reiterate a couple points but i'm also going to add some new information as well so but like i said last week um, the di there's a difference between clear ice and cloudy ice. Clear ice is the thickest, is not the thickest, it's the strongest form of ice that you can have. If you have good clear ice, then you're going to be fine. But if you have cloudy ice, then it can get dangerous. And cloudy ice comes from like a mixture of snow and water and air. And the snow just, just gets into the, it just melts all together and creates the the cloudy ice and sometimes you could have clear ice then cloudy ice then clear ice then cloudy ice i mean it's it really just depends like how the weather is acting if it's a little warmer and it melts and refreezes then that can complicate things a little bit as well so <clears throat> when you walk out onto a lake you'll sometimes step on the snow and then push through the snow to a layer of like a mixture of water and snow or like slush so there's a slush layer and that is a layer that's sitting on top 
of the ice that has somewhat melted but hasn't quite melted all the way. So if there was a recent storm or if there was um, some warmer weather and then it, it kind of got cold and then kind of heated up again, um, like the snow will kind of melt, then freeze, then melt, then freeze, and it'll kind of stay snow, but it'll become that really like thick icy snow. Like it won't melt into ice completely. But what happens when you have slush is that it creates a layer on top of the lake that adds more weight to the ice itself. So bottom line ice safety, if it's less than six inches or five inches, I probably won't go out on it. If it's five inches and it's clear ice, I'll go out on it. But if it's five inches and it's cloudy ice, I will not go out on it because it, I just don't want to risk it. Um, unless there are other people kind of out there and I've seen other people go out and, you know, there's no pressure cracks or any kind of that, any, anything like that or any, any kind of things like that, then I'll go out on it. But if there are pressure cracks going along the ice or if there's places where ice has come up and on top of the other ice or if maybe the whole lake isn't frozen yet, like I will probably try and stay away from it. Um, again, it's, it's your own discretion. And if you use the, the safety topics that we talked about last week, then you'll be fine. But right now at one of our lakes, we have solid clear ice. Then we have about a foot of slush. Then on top of that, we have about two feet of snow. So all that is not frozen together. And all of that adds weight to the ice itself. And there's only about six inches of good clear ice underneath that. But when you add the, the slush and the snow, that stuff's heavy. And it, 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 could, it could crack and it could break the ice up. Um, so if, if you're ice fishing, like temperature is one of those things that is absolutely key. Um, like, like the temperature is going to be the thing that you're going to want to watch the most. I mean, yeah, wind can suck, but ultimately temperature is, is what's going to allow you to fish or not. If it's going to be like 50 or 60 degrees, probably don't go out ice fishing. But if it's going to be like in the negatives or in the low twenties to teens, yeah, you probably will be all right. But again, that correlates with the thickness of the ice and the slush and how much weight is actually on that ice. If you get out on the ice, like I went fishing last week for my birthday, um, or two weeks ago on the 29th, I went down to one of our lakes here that is higher in elevation. It's up about 7,500 feet in elevation. And um, like when I went out, it was just after a storm. So that was all right but um it was 11 degrees when we got up there um or maybe it was closer to 15 degrees i can't remember oh no it was 19 degrees sorry wow, that was a big jump i don't know why i thought of 11 oh because that was the low for that day it was 19 degrees when we got up there so when we got out there there was snow on the ice but after we shoveled the snow away it was just solid semi-clear semi-cloudy ice so when we drilled our hole, we had probably about 16 inches of, of 
of ice underneath us and that's fine that you're not falling through 16 inches of ice like unless you drill multiple holes and you like if you drill multiple holes right next to each other and then stand around the area where you drill the holes like like let's say you drill a bunch of holes and make a square if you stand on that square you might push it through but like realistically you're not going to fall through 16 inches of ice that's totally fine that's totally safe people will run in their snowmobiles um but if you get out there and it's slushy and there's maybe about six inches of six six inches of ice then that's something that you'll want to look at and be like okay let's kind of see how this goes maybe spread out your gear a little bit spread people out don't put up a tent um like if if conditions are are not great then maybe kind of spread out a little bit because i mean ice fishing can be very dangerous um i mean they're at my at one of our one of the lakes here there were like six people that were airlifted to a hospital because six different people fell through the ice and were getting hypothermia and frostbite and and almost dying so it's like you just have to be smart like if it's not safe don't go out it's not worth your life so again to kind of just reiterate like last week check um check local regulations too like not regulations but like local forecasts like every reservoir that you have around you if it's a reservoir if it's a man-made reservoir and you know there's like campgrounds and stuff it's most likely a state park so get onto the state parks website for your state and they usually i know for utah we have the state parks updating ice conditions every single day um, because it, it can change in a day um, so just check local forecast check the thickness of the ice of a reservoir before you go out or if you have some friends who were out the day before or two days before or whatever just see and check as much as possible before you go out before you make that drive excuse me to that reservoir or you know before you make that camping trip or plan that trip to go down there and fish for a few days see how much ice is down there and what the weather is supposed to look like for the days the day or the days that you're supposed to be there um so it, it's just common sense it's it's really all just common sense if if you are smart about it you should be fine i, I know stuff happens unpredictable stuff happens but if you can be prepared and smart and maybe not even go out in the first place then more than likely you'll be you'll be fine um so that um that's pretty much all i wanted to add i wanted to just touch up and and just kind of go more into depth about like slush because it can be kind of scary stepping on the snow and then all of a sudden your foot falls through and hits ice like it, be, it can be kind of scary like you can be like oh i'm falling through when in reality you're just falling through that slush layer and fishing on a slush layer sucks it sucks so much i hate fishing when there's slush on the lake it's awful um but sometimes you got to do it um if there's like 16 inches of ice and there's slush you're fine you're not going through or anything like that um but more importantly just make sure that you're smart about going out and if you decide to go out make sure you have safety devices with you like even though I knew that there would be probably 14 to 16 inches of ice, I still had my spikes around my neck and I still had my spud bar um, trying to poke through to see if there were soft spots or anything. And there weren't, obviously, because there were 16 inches of ice. But 
never hurts to be safe. And if people make fun of you, screw them. Who cares? You're being safe and you're just trying to have a good time. So do your own thing. Make sure to do your research before you go out. And if it's looking sketchy and the reports are sketchy, then don't go out. And local sporting goods stores can also help you with reports as well. Maybe give them a call and talk to somebody in the fishing department to be like, hey, what have you heard about this and this? Or where have you heard about this reservoir or whatever? So there are resources available to you. And just don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you live in Utah, um, I work two separate jobs. And both jobs, I deal with hunting and fishing. Um, so if you live in Utah and you want to maybe get some information on a reservoir or anything like that, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, um, a DM on either account, and um, then I'll be able to to see if I can help you out. Um, so, but um, for now, that's pretty much all that I have. Just, like I said, just be smart when you go out and just, just be cautious. Um, so, moving on to our next topic is going to be like the baits and lures that I use. Um, so, it, it, it kind of depends. So, we'll, we'll stick on trout and then we'll go to perch. Perch I don't have as much experience with, but I have some experience. So for for now, we'll start at trout and go perch. So for trout, um, depth I like between 10 and 15 feet. They're usually cruising up high about 4 feet below the hole, so you don't need to be super deep. If you can drill a hole and look down the hole and see the bottom, you're fine. If you can't see the bottom, maybe move a little shallower because you're not going to need to get down all the way to the bottom anyway unless you're fishing for lake trout. If you're fishing for rainbow, tiger, or cutthroat trout, then 10 to 15 feet will be fine. You can catch lake trout in shallow water. They'll come cruise the shallow mud flats, but for the most part, lake trout probably max about 40 feet, somewhere in there. And you'll probably find them in 20 to 30. Um, so, but that's kind of the depth I like. Um, and for lures, I like tube jigs, really, any color, chartreuse, white, pink, orange, green, black, um, brown, any color, you just have to kind of see what they're doing. And then with those tube jigs or the curly tail jigs, I like as well, the curly tail, the curly tail grubs, soft plastics, they work really well too. Um, just pair them with different color jig heads, like the Strike King Crappie Master jig heads. Um, if you have a, if you have green chartreuse ones, pink ones, white ones, orange ones, um, those are going to be your, probably your best bet. Um, that's what I catch most of my fish on. Um, and then I do, on occasion, I do use a, a dinner bell spoon from Fish Frostbite. I actually have the, the purple and silver one, and I have the medium size and the small size. Um, and I kind of prefer the medium size. They seem to hit that more than they do the small size, which is kind of weird to me, but um, fish are fish, and they're going to do whatever they want. Um, but, uh, on occasion I will use a spoon, but for the most part, I stick to, to the soft plastics, like the, the tube jigs and the grubs for trout. Um, I will also just put on a dead minnow and just put it on a jaw jacker and, um, or a tip up and just send it down the hole and have it either in the middle of the water column or right off the bottom or on the bottom. You just got to figure out where they are, where they're cruising. 
Um, and if you, like when you get there, if you don't have a fish finder or anything, which a fish finder is not needed, um, don't think you have to have a fish finder or even a tent. You just need an auger, even a hand drill auger will be fine. Um, you just have to have an auger, an ice rod, and some lures, and a hole scoop to scoop the slush out so you don't have to use your hands, and a sled to carry all of it in and you'll be fine. Um, like I said in the, the t episode previous last one. Um, so if you're trying to figure out where they are in the water column, work the different columns, work the different, work the different sections, work the bottom, bounce it off the bottom, stir up the mud on the bottom and everything for, for a little while, 15 to 20 minutes. And if you don't get anything, maybe move up, um, move up the water column to about midway in the water column. Um, jig it a little bit, 15, 20 minutes. If you don't get a bite, move it all the way. Move it up to about two feet below the hole. And if you don't get anything there, maybe pick up and move. Because um, there, there's fish there. They're just cruising, and you just got to figure out where they are. Ice fishing is all about moving, and it's, it's about locating fish. So once you locate a few fish, though, it's probably a good spot to stay. Like if you catch a few within 20 or 30 minutes that you're there, it's perfect. Um, you'll probably be all right if you set your tent up there or stay there. Um, and worms, power bait always work well through the ice. Um, and then uh, I mentioned a jaw jacker and a tip up. Um, jaw jacker is more of a, a visual thing. Um, basically, it's a device that you put your rod into, bend the rod tip down, and have a little uh, braided loop on the end of your rod, stick it in a in a strike indicator thing and have the line going out and when a fish tugs on the line it will trip the mechanism sort of like a mouse trap and the rod will come up and set that hook for you now you have to tune it sometimes to a specific poundage so that um, you know you're not getting short strikes or if they're just gripping the bait then they're not setting it off automatically and getting scared like you got to set it to wait till they actually have that bait in their mouth and pull it and get the hook set good. Um, but then it basically fights the fish for you until you run over and can pick the rod up. Um, I like to use bells, have bells attached to my rod so that I can hear it if I'm inside the tent. Um, but I'll, I'll usually just set a jaw jacker rod up probably six to eight feet away from the tent. Probably, uh, probably closer to 10 feet away from the tent, but Maybe work in a dip different depth or work in the same weed line, just down a little bit farther. Um, so that's a jaw jacker. You can look it up. Just Google jaw jacker on YouTube and you'll see what I'm talking about. I actually have a, a Celsius um, jaw jacker. I, I don't know the actual name of the, of the jaw jacker, but it's similar to a jaw jacker. It's just made by a company called Celsius. Um, and it's all aluminum and I freaking love it. Um, so, and then I mentioned a tip-up. A tip-up is a little different. It's basically a board that has a metal rod going through the middle of it. Like if it's laying flat, the rod comes up through the middle and um, has a little T shape on the end. Then you have a flag on a spring. And then you have a spool of line down beneath the tip-up. And <clears throat> you'll put a hook and stuff on the line and get it down to where you need to. And then when you set that T position, you'll bring, you'll bend the flag down and set it underneath the T. And then when a fish pulls on the line, it is free spooling. There's no 
there's no drag there's nothing you hand line it but it, it there's no pressure so the fish can just eat and eat and eat that bait as long as it wants to as long as you want to let it and once you come over and that flag is up and you see that the T is spinning then your fish is on there I'd grab the line and keep feeding line and take it out and just hand line them in um, so but that's kind of what a tip up is and I, I use both of those for I use all three methods rod and reel just jigging and the tip up and the and the jaw jacker for trout um, and then the tip up and jaw jacker you really can put any bait on there that you want um, and then moving on to to perch um, they can be a little tough perch it's best to have a depth a fish finder for so that you can actually find schools of them and they like to hang around about 40 to 50 feet so you gotta have quite a bit of weight to to get down there um, pretty much the only thing I'll use for perch is a tungsten teardrop jig um, and I've had luck on every color um, but the tungsten jigs basically they're just a little colorful jig head with a hook coming out the back and you just tip it with some mealworm or some waxworm. Oh, and also on the on the trout baits, on the trout tubes, tip that hook with mealworm, waxworm, nightcrawler, power bait, whatever. Just get something on that hook so it's not just the tube. Um, but on the on the perch baits, on the tungsten teardrop jig, I just tip it with a waxworm. That's all you need, a waxworm or a little tiny bit of nightcrawler, but waxworm. And then to get it down that far, I like to take a cast master spoon, preferably a gold one or a silver one, to add flash to it. And it's probably about a quarter ounce. Um, and I take the hook off one of the one of the split rings. So I have just two split ring, one split ring on each end. And I'll take excuse me. I'll take Damn, sorry. <clears throat> sorry, I got something in my throat. Um, I'll take one piece of part of the line, the main line, and tie it to the top of the cast master. Then I'll take about 14 to 16 inches of line and tie one end to the cast, the bottom of the cast master, and the other end to the tungsten jig. So that tungsten and the cast master will be able to get down um, to the bottom pretty easy. And then once you hit the bottom with your cast master, I just give it probably about half a reel so that the the uh, tungsten jig is just right off the bottom depending on your gear ratio but that um, once that tungsten jig is right off the bottom and you're in in and you're in perch then then that's all you need to do and percher if you don't catch anything in about 15 minutes move to another spot like you just got to move until you find them you got to move more often with perch than you do trout because trout generally you'll probably get a bite probably within the first 20 or 30 minutes that you're at want your first spot unless you pick such a terrible spot um, doesn't make you a terrible fisherman or anything sometimes they're just not there um, but with perch they they like structure they like trees they like they're they're a weird they're a picky fish so basically with perch once you find them on the fish finder just drop down and um and just hit them with that teardrop and the and the wax worm and that's how i catch my perch that's pretty much how i do it um i don't really do much more than that i don't drop a worm down there or anything i guess you probably could drop a night crawler down there but i think they like the tungsten the tungsten jigs more so perch are 
perch can be complicated, but once you start catching one, you're going to catch a bunch of them. So, um, yeah. So, what I would do is just constantly move for perch and just teardrop, teardrop jig. So, um, yeah. So, but for right now that's pretty much all the ice experience that i have fishing it's mainly trout out here in utah but perch fishing here is is big and i'd like to get into walleye if i can too um, i'd also like to get up to flaming gorge to to catch some lake trout and some burbot um so but that's pretty much all i have for you guys this week um yeah i i think yeah i think I think that's it. Um, that's pretty much about it. So anyway, if you guys have any questions or comments or anything like that, feel free to shoot me an email, a DM. Um, just get a hold of me, and and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you guys have or anything like that. Um, so, But until next time, make sure you stay safe while you're out in the woods. Stay safe while you're on the ice. I hope you good luck to all of you ice fishing. Um, and if you've still got some late season hunts going on, good luck to you hunting those. Um, but until next time, yeah, well, uh, I think I already said that, but until next time. But anyway, stay safe while you're out in the woods. Stay safe on the ice. Good luck if you're hunting or fishing. And respect your fellow hunters and anglers. And we will catch you on the next one. See ya.